Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a driver reach and freight waves production. I'm Leah Shaver, President and CEO of the National Transportation Institute. In Jeremy's absence, I'm thrilled to be your host for a very riveting conversation today. On this show, we interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. Your feedback is very important to us. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you are choosing to listen. Today, I'm extremely excited and humbled to be chatting with Robin Hutchison, the administrator of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Administrator Hutchison, it is great to meet you and have you on this show. Leah, um, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited well. about this conversation. I'm thrilled to be here. I am also thrilled to be here, as uh, as you can see. I really cannot wait to hear your thoughts on driver recruiting and retention and to learn more about what you are working on as head of FMCSA. Thank you so much for joining me today. So good to be here. My plan for us today is to introduce you personally to our viewers and listeners, to talk about the overlap in both industry recruiting and how you landed in your role, to discuss how we can improve and build upon opportunities available to trucking's next generation of drivers, and to hear your approach to the priorities and initiatives FMCSA is working on under your leadership. That is so much to unpack, so let's get started. To get our conversation rolling, let's talk briefly about your time in trucking. A big part of transportation recruiting is convincing someone who hasn't always been in transportation why they should consider such a cool, innovative, and evolving industry. So tell us your story. Who recruited you into trucking? How did you wind up leading the federal agency tasked with overseeing trucking and transportation regulations? Um, speaking of unpacking, that is a question I could unpack for a long time, but I will keep it somewhat brief. Uh, I've been working in the transportation industry for 25 years. And if you ask me 27, 28 years now, and if you asked me 28 years ago where I thought I would be, um, this isn't what I would have said. Uh, I didn't have a clear view of exactly what I was going to be doing. But being in the federal government, this is my first time here, is new for me. And working so closely in the commercial motor vehicle space and in the trucking industry, it isn't what I would have expected for myself. But I cannot tell you how grateful I am. I have been offered this opportunity to learn, be involved in, and lead such an important part of the American experience in the American economy, and most of all, uh, this essential um, profession that America needs. And the reason I am so excited to be here is that I've never shied away from hard work and hard jobs. I like challenging jobs, but I don't like it for the challenge. I like them because they have impact. And there's nowhere that I see more impact than the seat that I'm sitting in right now, because it, it really is at that, you know, there's a Venn diagram and you have, I'm using my hands on the screen, so I hope that's okay for audiences. You have the Venn diagram and you have different circles that come together and there's the center that overlaps. Trucking and commercial motor vehicle is really an overlapping center of Venn diagrams of safety, economic strength, equity, climate, transformation. It is right in the center of that. And I see such an opportunity to have an impact. But how I got here is back to your question. Safety has been a through line through my entire career. I was a consultant for a long time, did a lot of work on roadway safety, 
I was the director of public works for the city of Minneapolis for five years. And there I, I managed a fleet and I, and I managed a team, 1,300 people, essential workers, essential services that boots on the ground. Um, I then became and was appointed by President Biden as the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Safety Policy, again, the safety through line, where I focused on developing the National Roadway Safety Strategy. And that is what led me here. There were a number of folks that believed in me here in the Department of Transportation and thought when this spot opened up that I would be a good leader and a good fit. I'm very, again, just grateful that I have this opportunity to sit in such a seat with, with so much impact. Um, I hope that, um, you know, others who are listening can really take the message that just where you start isn't always where you end and to have an open mind about your career really at every step of the way, because keeping an open mind, you don't know where it's going to lead and it leads to some, some, some pretty great roles. Where you start isn't always where you end. I would say that is probably the um, story or bio for every professional truck driver since um, they typically are in the role once it's their second, third or fourth career choice. Um, speaking of breaking into the industry and then ascending into another role, uh, specifically a high level government role within it. When you were in the process of becoming the FMCSA administrator, you had the opportunity to join a professional driver for a ride along done in conjunction with our friends at the Women in Trucking Association. So tell us about that experience. What did you learn? What did you see? And most of all, how did it help prepare you for the role? Well, first, let me just say my first six months of the job, I went everywhere and I talked to everyone. And I tried to get every experience that I thought was going to help me understand what goes on outside of these four walls in a DOT headquarters building. We need to see and hear firsthand. A couple of those experiences, more than one, a couple of those experiences, I actually sat in the cab of a truck once, twice driving, once as a passenger. And Secretary Buttigieg himself did this as well. He also did a, a ride along. Uh, what I learned in these experiences from the ride along is some of the challenges that drivers face every day. Um, I, I waited. Detention time is something we're working on. I was in Carmen Anderson's truck as we waited for her to unload. Um, I learned how technology is being used and some of the challenges with incorporating technology into vehicles. Um, I learned what it's like to have a schedule that is less predictable. Sometimes you can't always choose the loads that you take and when and where you need to be. Um, it was invaluable for me to just have a conversation with a driver and hear firsthand what the challenges are. But I also like I also learned a lot about the pride that drivers have in their work. And maybe that's the most indelible thing. That I learned is that there, there's so much pride in the work out there. Um, and that that's really lasted. Um, I also had an opportunity to drive close course, all legal. You don't want me at anywhere but a close course. Uh, but I had a chance to to drive um, at a at a at a community college in in Maryland where drivers were being trained. And I got behind the wheel of a of a truck that had a, a clutch. Um, and uh, once again, just the respect for the driving profession really increased when I realized what a skill it is 
to be a driver and to be a good driver. Um, had a chance to meet some students, learn about why they wanted to become drivers, um, spent a little time with them, and just uh, took so much away from that experience as well. Um, I'm, you know, kind of high adventure. I, I want to see things. I want to do things. I want to be active. Um, and these ride-alongs and these engage the engagements that I've had with, with students and, and so many in the industry has really helped me understand the mindset of the driver, the needs of the driver, the challenge, and, and most of all, the pride. Well, while we're on the subject of becoming a driver, one of the biggest issues surrounding trucking over the decades now and into the future is the question of workforce development. That is, we're perpetually in need of new people to enter the industry. Part of the mosaic of solutions that I talk about is drawing a broader set of demographics to the industry than in year pa years past. So specifically younger people and women. On the topic of women and trucking, one of the chief ways that your agency as a regulatory body is engaging with the industry and other stakeholders on this topic is FMCSA's Women of Trucking Advisory Board which was established just last year in 2022. Tell us what the board is working on, what its goals are, either from a DOT perspective, yours personally, but in general, what, what are the goals for the group? The goal for this group, so it's a 16-member committee. It is uh, part of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Um, it is to uh, support women to pursue careers in trucking, to expand scholarship opportunities, to enhance truck training, mentorship, education, outreach programs, and it is for women to advise us on all of these topics so that more women will be both recruited and retained in the industry. We had a kickoff meeting. We are gearing up for a next meeting soon. Um, we had uh, a, a variety of topics on deck, but the first topic that we brought to the Women of Trucking Advisory Board um, was a discussion of the barriers that women's women face um, when in the industry that may also be barriers to women to be recruited into the industry. And that is uh, what we are hearing about sexual assault and sexual violence against women. It is controversial to name it, uh, but we feel it is important to talk about it with women who can advise us on how we make the profession safer and more secure for anybody who wants to be in the industry. So we had a first conversation about it, and the board will continue to work through this diff difficult issue um, and will provide us valuable advice. And it's not just that. We will also talk about training, mentorship, education, um, outreach, uh, and how we really bring more women into this industry. And we know the numbers here, and I think I'm talking to an audience that already knows this, but 7% of drivers are women. Uh, we have an opportunity to increase that number. When I talk to women uh, who are doing the job, they say they know women can do this job. Uh, so it's up to us to support the recruitment and retention uh, by convening these women who can help advise the DOT on, on any number of these issues. Well, as you said, it, it sounds like you started out with a very heavy topic, but also a crucial one. And isn't that true of any uh, subject of safety in general? When I look at the members, I see such a group of talented and accomplished women, but also ones who have a really broad range of interests and policy positions that they're also passionate about. So 
How do you as a government agency take those broad range of interests that everyone is so dedicated to and then translate them into regulatory policy, recognizing that it's very early in um, in movement for your group in general? Yeah, that's a great question. And it really brings me back to that Venn diagram where you have the overlapping of safety and equity and and climate and transformation. And I really see uh, the two circles overlapping with, uh, you know, our goals for safety and security and our goals for equity and having the most diverse workforce that we can Um, And I think the diversity of opinion leads to an idea generation that it just it wouldn't be there were it to be a a homogenous group. Um, And I think it reflects um, reflects the 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 industry. The industry is is, um, you know, not a monolith. And we need to have women who can help us speak to um, all of uh, the people that make up this this great industry. Um, How would translates into regulatory um, our regulatory space uh, and and the work that we do even our research projects um, is that we have a lot of confidence in the recommendations when it's had a thorough uh, perhaps debate among uh, various viewpoints and we only get that when we have um, people with different backgrounds and viewpoints all sitting at the table Well, there's another important initiative that's underway at FMCSA as part of workforce development. Um, Across the industry, we do need younger folks. And so we have the Safe Driver Apprenticeship Pilot Program, often called the Under 21 CDL Program. At the direction of Congress, you've established a program that allows CDL holders under the age of 21 to work in interstate operations. The program has availability for up to a thousand companies to participate, but I understand that registration has been lower and lighter than we all uh, not only imagined, but also hope for. So um, Secretary Buttigieg noted recently when he testified in Senate, I, I want to talk about this because one area that I'm very passionate about in our industry is making trucking more appealing to younger people and making them more aware of opportunities that exist in our industry to have a good career, to earn a good paycheck, and to have real impact on our society and our economy, all things that you've mentioned as well today. From your perspective, how can we get more carriers involved in the program? And what is the agency doing to drum up interest and participation in the the apprenticeship program? Yeah, the Safe Driver Apprenticeship Program uh, was officially launched in the fall, and and that's uh, some months after the bipartisan infrastructure law was passed because we wanted to set it up in the very best way possible for success. And that means that at the end of the day, this is also a research project. And having enough participants uh, in the program is one goal, but once once we do making sure that we're collecting the right data so that we can um, an- analyze the program was really important to us. So we've been accepting applications since the fall. Um, the numbers are increasing every day, and we are doing a lot to recruit both carriers. We have got three constituencies here. We've got the carriers, we have the experienced drivers, and we have the apprentice drivers. And we're doing a lot to recruit into the program all three ways. Um, so the goal is to recruit younger people into the industry. I completely agree. It is great to have exposure to them, but it needs to be a good experience with an experienced driver that helps them be coached 
um, and have like a lasting career once they're in the program. Um, we have a number of things that we have been doing and more on deck. We've done uh, several webinars. We have um, uh, we've been uh, visiting with with companies. We've been doing social media campaigns. Um, we've been encouraging the carriers that are participating to work with vocational schools and community colleges to recruit younger drivers. Um, and we're going to re-up all of this work in another push to um, uh, make the industry aware of the opportunity and how to participate. Um, so I would be on the lookout for another uh, kind of campaign, if you will, to make sure that carriers, their experienced drivers, and younger drivers all know how to access this program. All right. Well, I think this is a great segue into our deeper dive questions. Um, if you're not a regular listener, our deeper dive comments uh, and questions come from listeners. And we have a special one this week. We have one this week from a recruiting professional that's a regular listener and also one from a professional driver. We specifically sought out questions from our driver audience to see if they had anything that they wanted to ask you. So first up, the question from our recruiting pro. Right now, trucking's work trucking's workforce, excuse me, is made up predominantly of Gen Xers, with a lot of baby boomers still hanging on as well. That's while the industry struggles to make inroads with millennials, who are the largest cohort in the workforce today. We need younger drivers to be trained and mentored by more experienced drivers, but there's often a disconnect between baby boomers and millennials. They see things differently. They have different expectations, and often there's a communication gap because of it. Millennials want to see the industry evolve. Baby boomers are often very stuck in their ways. How do we as an industry bridge the gap to millennials and even to the Gen Z generation, which are graduating high school and considering their career options? This is such a good question. Um, I'm struck, uh, you know, I'll just admit I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm squarely, I'm like in the middle of Generation X. Um, and even the question, it's so on brand that the question kind of skips over Gen Xers and sort of pits millennials and boomers. But but here's Gen X in leadership positions with a thing or two where we might be able to influence outcomes for younger people. Um, I, you know, we have a huge vested interest in, in this and in... Uh, making sure young people who come into the industry stay. We have data. Drivers who have been on the road the longest are the safest. We, we know that. So it's our safety mission to keep drivers, to recruit younger drivers and keep them driving because we believe it will have an outcome for safety to reduce crashes and fatalities on our roadways. Um. I, so there's a few ways that we are committed to this. One is the Safe Driver Apprenticeship Program. One is, as you mentioned earlier, having diverse viewpoints around the table, um, hearing from folks who um, maybe we haven't heard from before to help bring the diversity of ideas. Um, the Women of Trucking Advisory Board is one of them. The Truck Leasing Task Force, which has yet to be announced but is close, I will tell you that, um, is another way to bring the diversity ideas of ideas in. Um, another thing we're doing is we are, um, we want to make the most of every single grant dollar we have. The bipartisan infrastructure law just about doubled our grant money. 
And there are some discretionary, i.e. competitive programs out there. And we are recruiting uh, uh, applicants that maybe haven't been to the table before. And in particular, working closely with community colleges, um, our CMV OST program is uh, a great place to recruit new applicants, um, our CDLPI. Um, these are all acronyms. They are all on our website. But our grant programs are a way to, to reach younger people and bring them to the table. Um, we also have some job quality kind of work. We are engaged in a compensation study, a detention time study, um, a truck leasing, uh, a truck, a large truck causal factor study, and it's a mouthful. Um, but these are all ways that help us understand what conditions would cause someone to stay or leave in the industry. So as young people come in, they stay. If we can solve some of these underlying problems, then they become the safest drivers on the road. And then we're really reaching our goals of zero fatalities on our road. Um, so it is critical. And I, I thank um, whoever submitted this question. Thank you so much for this question. It is, it is spot on and it allowed me to really highlight a lot of our work. Well, our second deeper dive question, as I mentioned before, is from a professional driver. Uh, we told them that you said that um, the voice of the driver is very important to FMCSA. What do they want you to know? And here, here was the top question that we got several times. One of the greatest challenges in our industry is quality of life on the road for drivers. I think you just mentioned that. A critical component of that is availability or lack thereof of safe truck parking options. How is the agency interfacing with Congress, states, private industry, and other DOT agencies to address this issue? What is in the works? What does the current administration want to see happen on this issue? Truck parking is is almost daily somewhere on my agenda in in my schedule in my conversations it is a it is a top priority uh for secretary Buttigieg, and he has done several uh interviews he has participated in meetings um with industry and stakeholders on the issue of truck parking it is a top priority for us we need to work across the department of transportation we at the FMCSA um, understand from drivers we are best positions, positioned to describe the nature of the problem and the depth of the problem because we are so engaged with drivers and with industry. We have to work with our partners at the Federal Highway Administration. They are actually in charge of the physical space of truck parking. And they issue formula grants to states that can be used to expand truck parking. All of that is in the collaboration space to make sure we're working as one Department of Transportation. But there's work that we have done and that we will continue that shows progress. So first, two grants, one grant in Florida, one in Tennessee that will expand truck parking. Uh, we've also issued over the last couple of years several grants from FMCSA to states that help truckers find available parking. And that's really harnessing technology to ease the burden on the driver. Know where you're going to rest next. Um, we continue to work this problem. It is a public sector problem. It is a private sector problem. 
Um, and the reason we are so committed to this is that for us, it is underlying um, issues of job quality, of safety, of longevity in an industry. Uh, I I spoke recently um, a- about this, and and I really related to the the goal we have first and foremost of prevention in safety. And if we can eliminate the number of times a driver might become tired or distracted or be parked in an unsafe place, um, we're really at the prevention, kind of at the headwaters of safety and solving problems before they become problems. So what I can say to the driver is that we are with you, we understand the problem, and we are working to make it better for you. Well, Robin, our last question is obviously something very near and dear to my heart, driver wages. The agency has just started a research project to study the correlation between driver wages, method, and safety. The current predominant method of pay specific to interstate operations, mileage pay, seems counterintuitive to some to incentivizing safe driving. Seeing evidence and having hard evidence supporting that point could trigger transformative change in our industry. However, as an industry, we often are concerned about change and frankly fear it. From your perspective, even though the study could take a few years to be conducted and completed, my question is, then what? Let's say we have the study, its conclusions in hand. What's next from a policy and regulatory perspective? Well, that's a, it's like the $10,000 question. Uh, the what's next? That crystal ball that I get often asked to utilize that I, I really wish I had over my shoulder. I've received this question before, and it's hard to say what's next. If I were to answer what's next, I would likely be predisposing a very meticulously crafted research set of research studies. Um, so right now, our focus is on uh, doing both the compensation study and the detention time study um, in a way that gives us defensible and actionable results. But I don't know what the results are going to be. Uh, so it is difficult to predispose what our next actions will be. But what I can say is that these are underpinned by that theme of prevention that I mentioned just a moment ago. And the studies will help us to understand how these constructs, how drivers are compensated and and what detention time means in the overall compensation scheme, um, it will help us understand more of those root causes of, of safety. Because drivers that are in crashes, and you know, we know the fault isn't always with the commercial motor vehicle driver or the trucker, but but when it is, it's not enough for us anymore to to just see the report of what happened in the crash. We want to know why. Why are they involved in crashes to begin with? Maybe they were speeding. Maybe they were tired. But we have to look at why they were speeding and why they were tired. Could it be that they had to wait a long time to get their load detention time? And then they had to make up their lost time and it led to speeding paid by the mile. So these root causes, these preventative lenses that we're putting on the work, um, I, it is my anticipation that the what's next will be born out of the results of this study that are based in those really fundamental questions. Well, Administrator Hutchison, Robin, 
It was an honor to meet you today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate your time and for sharing your leadership and expertise, and most of all, your recent experience with us. Thank you. Leah, thank you so much for having me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks to you for joining me on another episode of Taking the Higher Road. Remember, you can submit your questions or comments, including those that appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you listen. Until next time, stay safe and well, and thank you for taking the higher road.